Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And this is our final show, at least for now. You know, we, we haven't ruled out possibly doing pop-in shows in the future, but final one, final weekly one for a while. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the last 10 years of our publishing careers and what's gone on in the industry, a little bit about our plans as authors going forward. And we will finish with some final advice to try to <laughs> give you something helpful. Although we were talking before the show, we feel like we've already given all of our advice and it may just be repeats of things we've said, but we'll sum it up for you before we sign off. And we do hope you find it helpful, and we all appreciate the kind messages you guys have given us these last couple of weeks since we announced the end of the show, and we're super glad that you found it useful over the years. All right, let's jump in, I guess. So, first topic. Andrea, you're going to go first. What have the last 10 years meant for you as an author, and do you still think it's possible for people starting today to carve out a solid career? The last 10 years have been good, and yes, I do. <laughs> just kidding moving on to joe <laughs> <laughs> okay so um i don't know why i put 11.5 years because you said 10 plus so uh the last 10 plus years have been a huge roller coaster ride for me uh most of it has been me climbing my way up to the top and i i write i was actually talking to i don't remember uh, one of my friends has been around for a really long time since 2012 and anyway, we were talking the other day about how um, I'm, I'm good at marketing and uh, the writing part is where I had to really, really work hard because I didn't do anything creative fiction wise before that. So it's been a lot of me clawing my way up and learning a lot. Um, I have made a lot of money and that was, that's really awesome. I'm really grateful for that. I've also had some really low times and I'm grateful for those too. They've helped me be more compassionate and understanding when talking to other authors. Though I don't think that making a lot of money makes somebody not compassionate. <laughs> just, I just, I, I, the ins and outs, you know, that discouragement from not from month after month of not making money. I, I understand that I've been there. Um, they've also helped me be realistic and to figure out when the problem was mine and when my timing has been off, which has been the case a few times. So a lot of the times the problem is mine, but some of the time it's just my books just hit the market poorly because the market doesn't want them. Um, despite the ups and downs of indie publishing, doing it all and leaving my publisher and all that, it's it's still the best decision I've made for my author career. And then the next best decision I made for my author career was getting my assistant. And she's, uh, she's like going to be, I'm, you know, she's going to be a part of my marriage here soon. I don't know. I just like, I can't ever, ever let her go. Totally kidding about that. But um, I just, I just pray for the day that, you know, for my soul when she retires, because it'll be such a sad day for me. Um, but hours put into writing have been invaluable. I'm faster and more proficient now than I was when I started out. So for example, the key of Kalenia took me six weeks to write and then like a year and a half to edit because my writing was just so atrocious. And then Ember Gods, it took me, um, let's see, four weeks to write and then four months to edit. And I'd gotten better as a writer and the edits for my editor weren't nearly as bad as the edits on key of Kalenia. And then, but compared to my most recent book falling for Dr. Nelson, which took two weeks to write and one day to edit, that was very surprising. I had a bare, um, bare necessities, uh, a little bit of boat Mowgli. No, whatever. Anyway, sorry, my brain again, tired. Uh, but anyway, so, um, I had a little bit of a bare outline ahead of time and I sat down and started writing on Tuesday. Um, I don't know what the date is Tuesday in March. And then I finished Tuesday with that 
that second revision the following the two weeks too later whatever anyway sorry so so uh not coherent here anyway so being able to write a satisfying story quickly is a huge benefit but even more than that i've learned how to market how the market responds to my books and i'm to the point where i know pretty well pretty quickly if a book will do well or not my last fantasy series really nailed that one in hard <laughs> anyway i've spent a lot of time in the community during the last decade um nolan and i volunteered multiple hours at a local elementary school for five years, teaching the kids the ins and outs of writing and completing book and art projects. And so every year I would write a full length book for those kids and Nolan would do an art project. I've, I've run a ton of free marketing workshops. And during the time when I was executive director of Indie Author Hub, I helped plan and run two very large author conferences. Nolan and I had our podcast for a year and a half before I joined Joe and Lindsay here. And I've regularly taught at conferences across the country. Um, All of this has helped me feel connected to the author community. It's helped me feel like I've brought value to people. It's helped me feel comfortable now in pulling back from being involved as much. And I kind of feel like I'm finally to the point where I've given enough. And I feel weird saying that. But like, you know what, like looking back, I have spent, I would say the majority of my author time has been spent helping other people in some way. Or um, like promoting them, you know, working on box sets, things like that. And I don't regret that. It's it I it helped me really learn marketing. And I'm also an extrovert. I really needed that interaction. Um, but I'm kind of I'm just to the point where I I feel like I've given enough. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be permanent because you know I've been doing this stuff for so long, and now I just really just want to focus on writing. I don't know, but anyway, I just I just want to focus on writing for a while, homeschool, and all of that. But. I do love teaching too much to stay away for long, but I'm not sure where that desire will take me. Um, I've seen a lot of authors coming and going. Do not call me. Somebody just called me. <laughs> I've seen a lot of authors coming and going and so many have decided this isn't for them. And there's, there's no shame in that. I don't, I hate the shame that surrounds authors. They're like, you know what? This is not the life I want to lead. And there's no shame in leaving. There's nothing wrong with deciding writing is not for you. And it's not it's not shameful or embarrassing to be like, you know what? I, I would rather be a photographer instead. I don't, I don't understand the, the mentality that goes with, oh my gosh, they gave up on writing. Uh, there are so many different areas of life that can bring us happiness and it's okay if you decide not to pursue publishing. Many others are still trying hard every day, but haven't struck it rich in a while, if ever. And if that's you, be patient, keep trying and learning and you'll find success or find it again. I definitely believe it's possible for people starting today to make a career out of this. My venture into romance has shown me this much. It's really, really slow going in the beginning and things, if, if you know how, what you're doing that can make it go faster, but it's, it's, uh, it is still pretty slow going, but even those who have little to no money can start somewhere and the snowball will begin rolling. So my advice is to focus on writing the best book you can be willing to sacrifice a little money, but do it smartly, publish your first book, put up a reader magnet mention at the end of the book and all the other places that we mentioned in the podcast, publish your first, um, publish that first book and then put up, already said that, right? Yeah. Run a promotion using the sites we've mentioned and as many as you're able, depending on your finances. So ENT, free books, e-reading deals, et cetera, take the money you make and put it toward the launch of your next book. And then at some point consider changing book covers, assuming you had cheaper ones on them in the beginning, which a lot of people do. And there's again, nothing wrong with that. You've got to start somewhere. Um, let's see. Focus mostly on building your newsletter list, even at the expense of downloads. So the free things we've talked about in the past, focus next on increasing your reviews again, even at the expense of downloads in the beginning, 
you might just want to offer a free copy of your next book in exchange for a review to your whole newsletter list. That's what I did. And I only, out of 2000 people on the newsletter list, I only had 25 people take me up on that offer. So don't think it's going to like completely cannibalize your sales, but be willing to do it because reviews are really important when you're first starting out. Uh, and then keep writing, figure out how your personality operates. If writing every day works for you, or if you're more like me and, and need to alternate between major projects. And again, be patient with yourself and give yourself grace as you learn the ropes. Recognize that once you start publishing, it'll still take a few years to master. And that was a really long talk. It is now Lindsay's turn to have a really long talk. <laughs> That's a really good point about it being kind of like oh, taking a while to get the snowball rolling. So many people reach out to me that they published their first book in like last summer and their second and their third. And they're like, why am I not famous yet? It's been eight months. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's probably going to take a while. I, I feel a little fortunate that my first job, we'll call it a job, uh, I was the first way I made a living after quitting my job was as a content writer building my own websites back before there was much on the web. It, you know, I did like the home improvement field and I, I saw that it took a while. Like you had to keep writing content, trying to get links to your site. And it was usually like at least six to 12 months before you, okay, you're starting to get some free traffic from Google. You're starting to get listed in some directories. So I, I guess I'm fortunate that I had that experience because I knew not to expect too much when I published my first book, which was good because nothing happened when I published my first book. Um, as for me, for the last, I guess it's almost 12, 11 years now, I'm right with Andrea, about 11.5, <laughs> somewhere in there. I would say for sure I've worked harder or at least more hours a week in the last 10 years than I ever had before. But those years have been actually pretty epic for me as far as the career stuff goes. I, I'm still waiting for Hollywood or Netflix to come calling and even traditional publishing is pretty indifferent to me. But I went from having a house go into foreclosure after the global financial meltdown and living with a roommate and kind of scraping by from like 2010, 2011, the first couple of years I decided to get serious about writing. Meanwhile, my other day job income was plummeting and um, I published my first series, eventually started making a little money from it, not right from the beginning. It was not, a, it was not an overnight success by any means, but about two years in, you know, I'd learned how to make book one free, learned a little bit about the marketing. Got, I don't think I had any covers yet then, but I remember making, as I published what I thought was going to be the final book in the series, that month, it was like in August and I made $10,000 in a month for the first time. And I was like, holy crap, <laughs> this is more than I ever made from any other job. If I could just maintain this, that would be awesome. And that spurred me to write lots. And I added a couple more to that series before I went on to do some new series because I just... I was just like, I don't want the momentum to ever fade. I want to like keep this going and continue to be able to make a really good living as an author. So I'm fortunate that's happened, but I have, like I said, <laughs> put in a lot of hours on it. And I do think people can get started today and do well. Like I said, um, I had the wrong cover starting. I was kind of cross genre. Amazon didn't even have many subcategories back then. I think there was Epic Fantasy and Swords and Sorcery and like maybe four others under fantasy, <laughs> urban fantasy. There was no steampunk, there was no military fantasy or humorous fantasy or romantic fantasy, none of that. But the the first thing that, you know, I've talked about this before that really moved the dial for me was making a short story free and putting the excerpt into book one for the main series. And the short story had the main characters and showed them having cute banter and, and that kind of thing. Eventually I made book one free and that's kind of what helped get things rolling. And it was, I was fortunate that, that first series, it wasn't my first book, I had written couple others that was the first one I was like taking I'm taking it all the way and it so I had been through workshops and had a decent feel you know I believed that if I could get the books out there they would do pretty well and 
that series got me a lot of fans that have stuck with me over the years and they still buy my new releases 10 years later. So I do feel fortunate that I was able to find people, maybe not right away, but with that first series eventually that became, you know, the 1000 true fans, true fans kind of people. I do think that today with more and more competition out there, you need to have a, you know, a good story and good packaging today. You know, in the earlier days, I'd see people get by with crummy editing and homemade covers and they didn't know anything about marketing, but they got a book bub. So that shot them way up there and kind of made their careers back in early days. It, it kind of had that potential, but um, you also have to have patience. Like we were talking about, you know, it's very rare. I think when somebody really gets everything right and kills it with their first series. And usually you find out when you talk to them for an interview that they had some kind of background, their background was in marketing or, you know, they had eight trunk novels and an agent before, and they almost were went traditional and then they moved into self-publishing. So they'd kind of been through the ringer and really developed their craft. So it is rare though, for someone to really kill it with their first series. But if you keep going, if you keep plucking away at it and just trying to think instead of like, Oh, I want to make a bestseller list or I want to get in the top 100 of my genre, just trying to get new readers into your work, like every month, trying to get new readers through whatever marketing you can afford to do or have the time to do. It's sometimes it's, you don't have the money, but you have the time or you don't have the time, but you have the money. Hopefully it's one of those. And then the story has to be engaging enough that you keep those readers once you get them. And then consistency. We've talked about this a lot in the past too. And it's, it's probably a lot of what's made things work out for me. I was never really, I never really wrote to market or was popular or trendy enough as people who know me in real life. I'm so not trendy uh, that I could just put out a book a year and make good money. Like I, I never had the Martian, you know, I never had a hit like that for sure. I just always felt that the readership of the kind of things I liked to write and my style and my voice was probably smaller and on the niche side, but at the same time, they probably had a hard time finding that sort of like, I want a little bit of humor and banter in my action cross genre of fantasy, whatever. And, you know, but I, I've kept going over the years and I haven't slowed down too much. So hopefully that's a little bit encouraging. <laughs> um, but I, I will end this spiel with, you know, when I got started, we had no ways to advertise really. So in some ways, if you can't afford to advertise now, it's really not that much different than those of us who were starting in the early days and had no way to advertise. There was, I remember there were Goodreads ads and I think I, I sent them like $200, like spend this as fast as you can. And then they stopped doing it three or four years later and they sent refund checks or what hadn't been spent. And I got some of my money back up. So there weren't many ways. If you were lucky and were not lucky or good and had like a really great cover and did like the 99 cent thing before that was real popular you had a shot, but most of us were struggling with obscurity back then too. So that hasn't changed a whole lot. Just realize that today, if you, you know, you don't have tons and tons to spend on advertising, you don't have a big newsletter, you, you may not launch into the top 100 of your genre, but you don't necessarily need to do that to make a decent money eventually doing this. You just have to, like I said, gradually gather fans with each release. And over time, you'll hopefully find that 1000 true fans. And at that point, you know, it's just about satisfying those people. Hopefully you get some more every time, but you can make a living. As we've discussed, there's even an episode we'll have to link to it. I'll have to make a note to myself that where we talked about how the thousand true fans idea and kind of how it's working today and can it still work? And most of us thought yes. Some of us thought no, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, Joe, what's your 10 years been like? Um, okay, so my 10 years have been like 
not so much a roller coaster as more of a coast. Uh, it took me about a year and a half or and about five books to get my first taste of success, which is actually, in retrospect, a pretty quick, uh, you know, uh, foot in the door. But um, my career is different from many that we've ever, that, uh, that we've had on the show in that advertising has never been a core element to my promotional efforts. Uh, outside of book bubs, with some regularity in the beginning, I, ha- I had very good luck with being selected for book bubs, um, and it was the real kingmaker back then. Uh, I, I would also get a handful of you know book bub style featured post things, and I would do some boosted posts along the way. But almost all of my success outside of those came from like good timing the rare partnership with a storefront word of mouth and luck uh and free free series starters in three different series all of which had their own unique routes to success had me convinced that so long as i continued to put out good stories and kept engaged with my fans i'd be fine even without uh, advertising as a core thing so for those who aren't familiar with my library and i would hope by now most of you are but with my last chance to, to sum it up uh, the three series I'm talking about are The Book of Deacon, Big Sigma, and Free Wrench. Uh, the Book of Deacon is my big one. It's an epic fantasy. It's the first one I wrote. It basically skyrocketed to a months-long stay at the top of the Amazon free list back when the Amazon free list was right across from the Amazon paid list. So having the number one free book or the top 20 free book uh, was equivalent in terms of exposure to having top 20 book overall. It was an amazingly uh, uh, effective thing back then. And also back then, uh, you could make a fair amount of money uh, as a as a book blog, uh, just promoting free books because Amazon affiliates allowed you to make your full affiliate income from things that linked through on free books. So there was an entire business model built around promoting your free series starter. So obviously, when I did it with that first book, it was highly effective, more so than it is now. Uh, and so that's how that that series started to get successful. Then Big Sigma was next, and it was less of an immediate hit. But it was buoyed by the fact that Book of Deacon was having some success uh, at that time. And also, it sort of got its start because it was featured in the very first story bundle. I had gotten uh, in contact with the person who, when he was asking for submissions, and he liked the book. And so it was put in there. And so I had, you know, a, a claim to fame that I could push for that book. And then Free Wrench is my, uh, is my steampunk. And it was selected by uh, some curators at Apple Books, which was iBooks at the time. Uh, for release of the month in Australia and New Zealand, which put it, it, it got an editorial review and it was uh, collected up as the books, best books of the year at the end of the year, because each book of the month got to be a book of the year. So that gave me a really strong foothold and got me a recurring uh, partnership sort of promotional thing with Apple. So three different book series, three different ways that they caught their, their, their footing. So I thought, great, this is the way a career will be. And, uh, you know, Amazon started to shift from the free book discovery thing they had done and and stuff started to slip on that front. And I didn't mind much because I was experimenting with other things, as we often recommend you do. So I had things like German translations that were taking off and the audiobook stuff early on was making some good money that I was having five figure boosts to my income regularly. So I wasn't that worried when things that used to work weren't working quite so well because I was doing all these other things. Uh, Fast forward a few years, though. And I haven't had any of those big windfall successes in a while. And the slow decline has continued as a slow decline. Uh, and, you know, I've thrown some stuff at the wall to see if it would stick. And it didn't. Uh, some of it has been very expensive. Some of it has just been, you know, whatever. But uh, overall, basically, uh, uh, the, the, the slow decline 
minus the big windfalls, made it clear that probably I should have been doing some underlying changes too. So that's when I talk about the coast, like I got some good head of steam at the beginning and then just sort of let it ride for a while longer than I should have. So my ability to carry my career on novelty and brute force gave me a false sense of security uh, that I wouldn't have needed to develop a strong expertise in the ever increasing advertising options. Uh, I got comfortable doing what I'd always worked. And whenever the new marketing skills became a struggle, I just sort of set them aside and wrote the next book and released it and just sort of trusted that things would go well. Almost all of the decline in my career can be attributed to either the burnout that was caused by the decline, like when I started getting nervous, or uh, just not taking my own advice. The advice that I've given on this show very frequently, it's what I know you should do, but only about half the time do I actually do it. If I did 100% of the time, we'd be in a very different situation. Uh, I can't really complain, though. Uh, if in the beginning, uh, I, and I decided to release my first book, someone said, this is how much you're going to be making in 10 years. I'd be like, oh, fantastic. Hopefully, you know, hopefully I get there pretty quick and stay there. Like the amount that I'm making now is probably about what I was making from my day job when I quit. So, I mean, you know, uh, things are going fine. And I'm probably making more than 90% of authors. And I'm talking traditionally published authors as well. Like I, I'm paying my bills as an author, which is more than most authors can say. So I, I, I feel silly talking about it as though it's negative, but I've seen uh, greater highs and, and, you know, this is supposed to be a retrospective on my career. Uh, so that's where I am on that. Now, as to can you get start now and be successful? Absolutely, you can start now and be successful. Uh, the path I took to success uh, isn't as nearly as smooth as it was, uh, but there's a dozen different paths now. Like you can't, you might not be able to get to where I got the way I got there. But uh, while those doors closed, 10 times as many doors open. There's more storefronts now. There's more advertising options now. There's a better educated market. More people are knowing to look for eBooks. The tools to read eBooks are more available. Everyone is carrying around a device in their pocket that will allow them to read your, to buy your entire series at the, the tap of their finger. Uh, so like the opportunities are there. And uh, you know, if you, you, it takes new skills, new tactics, but there's plenty of room for new authors, new authors to find success. And if you stick with it, the people who stay in the game longer are the people who eventually make it. So as has been said, you know, by both Lindsay and Andrea, if you plug away at it and keep at it and stay consistent and, and do it in a sustainable way, then for sure you can still have success in this in this business, even if you start tomorrow. Yeah, I feel like it, talk to any author who's like started maybe in the 80s or something with traditional publishing and it's just seen all these changes over the decades and they all have, they've all talked about like ups and downs and times where they had to go get another job or, you know, it just, and hopefully it's like, they keep sticking with it and eventually it turns again. Uh, and so hopefully <laughs> your next series will do that for you, but it, it is like not a guarantee. Like, and just because you hit it with one series doesn't mean the next it's going to do that. I, I feel like I've actually had that fear all along of losing the momentum. And that's kind of what's driven to me <laughs> to write so much. It's just like, don't let it go. Take advantage of it. You know, it could go away at any time. And maybe that's what you get being a glass half empty kind of person. <laughs> Highly recommended. No, I'm not sure that's true. All right. Well, let's go into what are you guys' plans for the next few years as authors? Although I look at Andrea's. Andrea's going to talk about kids and stuff. So <laughs> Please feel free to include your personal life as you would like. 
<laughs> um, please feel free. Andrea always includes her personal life. This is, this is me. Don't even realize I'm doing it. It just happens. Uh, but I did want to address that. Um, like the three of us, all of us said, you know, keep writing books. If you have a ton of books out and you're not selling anything, you might evaluate how your books are hitting the market. I think it would be important because if you have a lot of books out and their covers are, are professional and good editing and well-written descriptions, and you're not making a lot of money, then um, it's kind of hard to say this, but it, it could be that your writing style doesn't match the genre that you're writing or that there's just enough off where readers aren't falling in love with them. And um, it's kind of hard to think that way, but being an author is tough. Okay, guys, it's always going to be tough. Um, okay. What are your plans for the next few years? I, and I have to say, give my personal stuff because it affects my author stuff so heavily. Um, but I'm going to write a few books alternating with homeschool, then take time off for whenever we have a baby. Um, I expect it'll be about a year before I get back into writing again, once the baby comes and I'm super sick while I'm pregnant. So it's probably going to be nine months plus a year. Um, at that point, I'll need to figure out how another newborn will affect my author business because it's just, it's hard to tell the last two kids have been born and they have been born. The last two kids have been born guys, uh, but they both had health problems. And, um, if our next baby does too, it's just, it's just really hard. Right. Um, if we don't have another baby, which, you know, everybody, you have to have that possibility in mind because especially I'm 40 now, um, I need to adjust that idea too. And I will still probably take time off because, you know, not being able to have a baby when you want one is also hard. <laughs> um, either way, my situation is very unpredictable and will be for at least another two or three years. But once we're done having kids, or if we can't have more and we're, we know we're there, um, I expect to continue alternating homeschooling and writing indefinitely. And I just, I feel like at that point, it's just, it's upward, up, uphill or downhill the easier way, <laughs> because I won't be, I won't be pregnant and having babies and dealing with newborns. And like right now, my three-year-old, I it's so much easier. He's, it's just so much easier. And a lot of people are like, they don't get easier. The stress just transfers. I'm like, guys, I can handle, I've, I've been, have they been located yet? <laughs> I can hear Nolan yelling at them. So yes, they've been located. <laughs> the kids, they were out playing and yeah, right when we were supposed to start recording and we couldn't find them, they went off with friends and the friends, my parents are like, well, we can't find them either anyway. Um, so yeah. So like, um, a lot of the people always tell me they're like, this is like, it's so hard. Parenting is always hard. You're going to, you're never going to. And I'm like, it's, I've been to points where writing is possible when I have a newborn, I cannot write. And, um, so I know it's hard and the, the challenge will you know, it'll just transfer in a different way. But I also know I'll be a lot more prolific because like I've written two novels in three months, you know, and I'm just, you know, and just, yeah, anyway. So that's what I have to say about that, yo. Um, anyway, so I expect to continue alternating indefinitely. I'll eventually hire out my covers again and we'll possibly run some marketing workshops. But judging on how well the last four months of alternating homeschool and writing have gone, this is going to work for a long time. Um, I'm really excited for the future and to see how things go. It's just, it's, it's thrilling to be like, this is gonna, it's gonna go good guys. Um, anyway, for now I'm planning on focusing on my Alpine hospital romances. I have a ton of ideas for rom-com no no novels, novels, whatever I can't speak and will eventually switch from medical romance to romantic comedy. Some of those ideas have been with me for over 10 years and I don't want to write them until I'm a, a seasoned romance author. So until I have at least 15 books out under the Andrea Kate Pearson umbrella. And the reason I want to wait for a while is because I'm still like, I read pretty much only romance, but I'm still learning the ropes as a romance author. I can't say that I've yet hit one out of the park with any of my romance books. And so 
like I have very faithful and devoted readers. Um, and I know they're well-written because I've been doing this long enough, but I mean, do I hit the tropes exactly right? I don't know, you know? And so I'm still learning. And, um, so at least until I have 15 books out and I, I know that I'm doing well enough, well, that's when I'm going to transfer to romantic comedy, because that's what I really want to be writing. And those ideas, I've got like 25 books that I've already titled and have outlines, brief outlines for, and I've been working on those for like 10 years. And so like, I want to, I want to do, I want to give them the best shot they can possibly have. And so I want to make sure I know what I'm doing when that happens anyway. So the one thing I plan to do differently in the future than I have in the past is to say no to basically anything that isn't just writing or just homeschooling, uh, mainly because I've been there, done that and have only a little interest in anything else anymore. I just, I, I just want to just you know, head in sand and write and homeschool and just not anything else. Um, I do get distracted by ideas here and there, but one of the best parts of having done this for so many years is I'm able to know pretty quickly if something will work or not, because I've pretty much tried it all. Like I said, and the thing that works that always works is writing more books. Um, I also plan to move all of my fantasy books wide first though. I need to get new covers on them in order to do that. I need my romance pen name solid enough where I can shift focus from it to fantasy for a while. I can't do both at the same time. Even something as simple as hiring a cover designer. My time is is too fragile and my focus is too intense when I switch and pretty much everything has a cost. So if I switch to doing fantasy covers for my fantasy books, that's going to be months of a switch. And I just don't want to do that. Um, even if I'm not making the covers, you know, you have to research and you have to interact with people and you have to pay them and you have to approve and you have to go through the, the drafts and everything. Anyway, so romance is the only thing I'm going to do for the foreseeable future. Um, when it comes to writing fantasy, if romance exceeds fantasy in my best years, I probably won't ever return to fantasy again. <laughs> like, yeah, there, there you go. I quit. I quit you fantasy. I quit you. Um, I'm having so much fun writing romance. That last book was just so much fun to write. I just, I had so much fun with it and I love writing fantasy, but I don't crave it right now. I'm getting that itch satisfied through the the romance I'm writing. Um, and so it's just at this point, the only reason I'd start writing fantasy again is if romance dies and that's, (laughs) I should write a book. If romance dies, I'm going to write a book about romance dying. So that that's it for me. Why don't you write fantasy romance? I tried that. That was Shadow <laughs> Prophet. That whole series was fantasy romance and it failed because I was more interested in writing it from the dude's perspective. And they're, most of them are written from the girl's perspective. And I was like, but that's boring to me. So I don't want to do fantasy romance. <laughs> All right. Just saying, I did one recently and it's doing pretty well. It's not Is it that from a girl's POV? Yes. It's high fantasy romance Dang with it. elves. Why, what's not to love? Elves. You I don't like elves okay. in yours. Yeah, that I was going to say that's <laughs> another thing. Like fantasy, my fantasy is very different. I don't like elves. I don't like traditional fantasy. And that's one reason why my fantasy didn't do as well as like your guys is like, I've been as prolific, not as Lindsay, but like <laughs> Joe and I have been relatively, I would say I'm a mix between Joe and Lindsay. Like I've got 85 books published, but my fantasy was not too trope in the slightest. Like I made up characters. Like I was like, I don't want to have elves. So I'm going to do this totally different creature. That's basically an elf. <laughs> so, but I didn't, I didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't itch. Like it didn't satisfy the itches or the the dwarves or any of the tropes that a lot of fantasy authors use. Like I, I didn't want to do them. And so that was at my own peril. And I'm realizing that now, like I just gave the advice. If you've got a bunch of books out and you're not selling a lot, like my books sold really well when I was actively doing it, but getting them to sell again has been pretty difficult. And I'm like, it's because they're not to market. Like people aren't looking for them. So I, I recognize now the, the mistake I made with my fantasy, you know, which is kind of sad, but 
<laughs> I still love it. But. I will say that my first series also didn't have any of those things. And I made up my own monsters and stuff because at the time you would go to agents websites and they're like, we don't want to see any of that Tolkien crap. We don't want to see Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, but I like those things. They're like, no, okay, I won't do them. And I didn't. And the first series, you know, it did okay. It got me my fans. But I, meanwhile, I was watching over here, these books with dragons on them. <laughs> killing it in the kindle store i'm like okay and there was one about orcs that was selling like crazy i was like that's totally dungeons and dragons stuff so i am i've been since embraced my uh my geeky childhood and all the things i loved all right well for myself what was the topic again what are your plans for the next few years (laughs) all right i keep saying i'm going to slow down but i have a couple of series i'm wrapping up a sequel that's calling to me another elf romance and two new series in the wings. I want to do uh, urban fantasy spinoff of my other series. And also I, I'm just feeling the itch to do space opera again, maybe around a, a station this time. Remember uh, Babylon 5 back from the 90s. I might have to rewatch that to make sure I don't completely rip it off. But um, that was a, a fun one. Um, but I am going to try to do easier stuff going forward, at least for a while. No more long <laughs> epic fantasy series with eight POVs after I wrap up the one I'm working on. Uh, one thing I'm looking forward to, and I've talked about this before, is probably in the next couple of years bowing out on Amazon exclusivity. I, I will definitely do it for the urban fantasy series because the other series that it's spin, spinning off of, that it will be spun off of, is in KU and, and has been all along. But um, I would like to eventually go back to being a fully wide author. Not wide, wide, but, you know, available on all the stores and platforms. And I'm sure I'll make less overall. There is a reason <laughs> that after I tried KU, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this for a new, uh, launching new series. But um, I'm fortunate to be getting to the point where I it's okay if I make less money. Um, uh, I'd rather not be tied to one platform. And I, I wouldn't mind trying to launch a trilogy early via Kickstarter or something like that. I, I think there's going to be a lot of other Kickstarters going forward. A uh, few of us are going to sell $30 million worth like Brandon Sanderson, but uh, it should, I think it will inspire a lot of people to give that a shot. I used to try more things like that, but these last few years I've just kind of been kind of locked into the Amazon KU formula and, you know, Hey, if you find what works and you know, you kind of deviate at your own peril, but eventually you do get kind of tired of playing the game and having people ask you, why aren't your books in Apple or Nook anymore? I used to read you then. It's like, Oh yeah, I'll get them there eventually. But I, I just, you know, and when I leave, I'm sure the people be, will ask, why aren't your books in KU? Because readers don't understand. Amazon doesn't tell them that they're making authors be completely exclusive and play only in their sandbox in order to be in KU. So, but I I do hope to kind of wean myself away from that in the next couple of years. And uh, we'll just keep the fans that are willing to buy the books or, you know, they can get them in the library too. So it's not the end of the world. Uh, Outside of writing, I, I, hate, I hate to admit it, guys, but I'm looking forward to the weekly commitment of the podcast coming to an end. I'm, I'm really glad to have helped people over the years and really appreciate you guys listening. I'm glad that we've given out content that you guys find helpful. But I, I just find myself wanting to take some one-month breaks here and there between a series or whatever, go on a trip, learn a new hobby, just kind of have a sabbatical, basically. And that will probably involve hiring someone finally to answer the email as I find it right now hard to take much time off because there's always something in the inbox every week that needs a timely response. 
I was not joking when I said I put in more hours a week into the offer business than to any of my other previous full-time jobs. You've heard the phrase, of course, that, you know, find a job that you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. True to some extent, but I laughed when I saw somebody's meme on Facebook that kind of turned that around a bit. It was something like, you find a job that you love and you'll work more than you ever have, because that's really true. If you're passionate about something, it's really hard to step back and not let it take over your life. So that is what I will be working on going forward. Joe, how about you? My my favorite way I've ever heard it put was uh, uh, Mike Rowe of Dirty Jobs said, uh, if your avocation becomes your vocation, you get no vacation. So... <laughs> Yeah, doing what you love is a, a fantastic way to just be working always. So what have I got? Uh, uh, I see two different ways that my my next few years will go. The first, and it's the one that I'm working toward, and it's my ideal, uh, involves restructuring my career to use the best parts of how I got here and the best parts of what we've learned and have distributed on this show. Basically start following more of the advice that I've been giving. Um I've been experimenting for the past few years with Amazon exclusivity first, wide later. And uh, there has been some evidence that if I really gave it a really good hard shove, it would work out well for me. But I've also learned that because of the number of years that I was wide, um, I have a pretty big audience of people who only read me on other platforms. And based upon how much I'm able to like, based, based upon how uh, accessible the Kindle, you know, it, page reads and stuff have not been uh, a huge earner for me like enough that they've been making something but i feel as though i could probably with the skills that are that i'm comfortable with hit more wide than i do uh with my books in particular on uh the page reads so i'm going to be looking to sort of refocus to be wide um and you know the other thing that's nice is that as a part of that, I'll be moved, you know, it will be time to move the stuff that's, that's exclusive out of, uh, of exclusivity. So I'll, as far as the wide folks, uh, think I'll have be rapid releasing like six or seven books and then, uh, and then the new stuff will be showing up, you know, so it'll feel like I'm starting my career over from their point of view. So I think there's some value in that. Um, so I say it every time it comes up and I'm going to say it again, I am, I'm going to try to get a good low level trickle of new readers uh, by finally making advertising a part of my long-term tactics rather than just around launch time. I'll probably start reaching out to more folks for group promos and newsletter swaps and things like that. Like just have a more proactive launch strategy and a proactive promo strategy. Uh, I think that is going to make a big difference overall. Essentially, I'm going to fuel up the, the the promo engine earlier in the launch process, and I'm going to keep it going longer after the release. Uh, for my next series, I'm probably going to spend some time, some more time planning the launch uh, of the first book and, and some more time planning the launch of the last book. I'm going to try to focus on, like, obviously, there's going to be some amount of launch for, in, you know, in between books in every series. But I'm going to try to focus really hard on book one and then again on uh, the last book as, like, the two key uh, uh, launch things. And probably, again, when I do a, a collected edition, like, a year after that. I think that'll be a good way to sort of keep the motor running uh, on, on any given series. And I'm going to try to keep, I'm going to try to keep doing series contiguously. Like the greater land saga has been one after another in the same genre and the same series. I'm on track to hit all six books without a major interruption uh, aside from collected editions and some anthologies. So uh, I'm going to try to keep doing that. 
and any oddball releases are going to come out in between the releases of series as opposed to in between the, the releases that make up the series <laughs> just generally try to keep my audience you know uh building on any given series rather than uh getting to think that i'd abandoned it at some point and uh yeah so that's my plan uh plan b uh, where if if none of that goes well, or if I just completely change direction, I can see my career. Uh, uh, you know, I can see embracing the doldrums and just deciding to re-enter the regular workforce. I'm always going to write, and I'm always going to release. But there is a very real world where making that my secondary income again, and having a steady income that doesn't require the whims of publishing to go my way. Uh, could probably take a lot of the pressure off and just make for a more energetic and interesting writing, uh, you know, process again. Uh, it will, could, or uh, alternately, I could discover or rather remind myself that the day job was just soul deadeningly awful and I never want to do that again. And that will light the fire under my career as well. So there's all sorts of ways that that could go. But regardless of how that goes, uh, the, the future writing stuff, uh i've been thinking about this a lot like like Lindsay. now that the podcast is not going to be a part of my weekly thing there's a not in not a considerable chunk of, of weekly time that's opening up and i'm already like oh i could do another serial those don't make money but they they get instant feedback and really keep people talking i might i might do one of those every thursday or something uh i'm also um I'm going to be sort of completing some old series at some point. I think probably next year is going to be the year of uh, of tying up loose ends. I've got the, my urban fantasy. I sort of abandoned it after four books. I'm probably going to finish that one up and do a collected edition of that. Um, also, I'm going to be talking. A lot, I'm going to be doing a lot more audio stuff. I think like I almost all of my books are available in audio, but I'm, I think I'm going to start experimenting with doing some audio first stuff. Like again, if I do the serial, I might do audio along with it. Basically, there's going to be a few uh, a few things that I feel like I can take the time and skills I developed doing this uh, and turn them into just a sort of a side <laughs> a sideshow to the main circus of my writing career, just to, to to build other skills and maybe reach out to new uh, to new audiences, but. Yeah, so those are my plans and or fears for the future. All right. Well, I'm not sure which one to hope for you because you kind of sound like you'd be okay with both or maybe considering both. We have definitely talked about on the show before how once you make writing your full-time job, like it's no longer your fun hobby before. (laughs) It's this thing where there's this pressure. And if you can't keep the money coming in every month, you know, it's it's no longer like this artistic fun thing you were doing (laughs) to enjoy yourself. But I guess we'll check in. People can stalk Joe and see what he's doing in a year. I feel like I have no actual skills outside of this industry. So, like, I, it's been 20 years since I worked for anyone else. I would just be horrible. I tried to get a job once before, after high school, before I went into the Army. I don't even think they told us what it was. It was like responding to an ad. And I think it was selling vacuum cleaners. And I went to the orientation and they're like, no. No, we don't. You can't, you're not good enough for this job. I was like, seriously, I can't even sell vacuum cleaners, which was actually true. They, they saw that I was an introvert and were like, no way. All right, Andrea, any thoughts before we move on to the last question or last segment? Yeah, I just, I love his, his, uh, his, you know, the other plan that he actually, he's, he, yeah, like you said, he's, he sounds okay with the 
Cause I'm like, every now and then I'm like, what would I do if I went and got a job, you know, an actual job, I'd probably deliver pizzas or I would be like a manager at a restaurant. Cause I'm really good at telling people what to do. <laughs> well, see, Joe is an engineer. He actually has yes. skills. He can fall back. I know. On. <laughs> I mean, I could go be vacuums. a mom. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll go into the last, we will end on what final advice do you guys have for our listeners? My final advice. Um, um, I was going to say something snarky, but nothing's coming to mind. <laughs> so no snark for me. Um, I have advice to general, general advice to listeners who are authors, which is everybody. Right. Um, and then I have advice to, for listeners who are in a similar situation to me. So my general advice is to, and this, I just take the Clifton strength test. <laughs> like if you haven't done it, take it. And not just the, not just the top five one, but the full one. Um, because for me, learning my weaknesses was just as valuable as learning my strengths. Like my lowest strength is strategy. I am not good at strategy. And I know I hate games like risk and things like that, that require, like in order to win, you have to have a lot of really good strategy. I just hate games like that. And, and I'm really good at marketing, but, um, and, and I can plan a big, huge events, but whether or not the strategy is solid, that's no, no one's uh, number three strength or something like that is strategy. So we complement each other well, but knowing the strategy was not one of my strengths was really good for me. And then same with like adaptability. I don't adapt well when things are sprung on me. Like that's one of my lowest strengths as well. And so knowing what my weaknesses are, uh, has helped me, help me. Um, what's the word? it's helped me fortify my business basically. And my, and my writing abilities, like I know what my strengths are. And so I know that I'm not going to be writing every single day. And I've embraced that about myself. And I used to feel so much guilt about it, but it doesn't matter. Like I am very prolific, even when I'm not writing every day. And so I've learned to be okay with that. And so after you take the Clifton strength test, then learn as much as you can about your personality and how it affects your current situation, your life, your goals, your writing, your family, which may include coaching sessions with Becca Symes team. Don't think you need external help unless you do. Uh, some people that external help doesn't help some people external help doesn't help, but having somebody bounce, somebody educated and knowledgeable to bounce ideas off of is very, very invaluable, uh, or just, you know, a coach, whatever, somebody to cheer you on. And then also be patient. Don't expect to be an overnight success, but be prepared in case you are, but don't expect it. So be prepared in case you are includes having your, your website set up the way you want it and your back matter set up the way you want it and make your book covers be professional and, and make sure you have a backlist. Like don't push super hard to be an overnight overnight to be super successful in your first book, because that, that success is super fleeting. Like people download that. And then what do they, what do they do after that? They don't have anything else. And that's one of the reasons why I've always, always told people, you know, wait until you have a few books out before you push a new launch really hard because it just, I mean, you want to have success early because that money really does help fuel your career, but it's really hard and time consuming when, uh, you put everything you've gotten to a book launch for just one book and you don't have anything else because you have to replicate that. And eventually the snowball gets rolling. And when you have a few books out, you can put a lot of work into a book launch and it really, it, it magnifies your efforts. Like you have that, that big snowball, you've got the, the backlog and all of that for, for people to read. So be prepared for success, but don't expect it. Um, automation sequence, things like that, just have everything set in place so that when you are successful, you can capture those subscribers and those readers. Um, and then my advice to listeners who aren't in a similar situation to me. So people who 
um, maybe dealing with health problems while having kids, you know, while you've got kids. Cause I've had a lot of health problems and I've got not a lot of kids. I've got three kids, but it feels like a lot. Sometimes, um, give yourself grace. Remember that you are you, and that will not change. Don't fight who you are. Embrace it, incorporate it into your author career. Also recognize that your kids and your spouse are who they are and they're not going to change. So you need to embrace that as well and incorporate that into your, your career as well. Like if you have kids who have problems, you know, kids that have, um, like autism or, or things like that, just recognize that that is going to stay. That's not going to be something that's going to change and just ingrate and, and incorporate it into your, into, you know, embrace, incorporate it into your business and then find ways to work with it. Um, be patient with others, especially your family, your kids, your spouse, et cetera. If you have young kids know that things will get easier as they get older, but don't wait for that to happen. Enjoy them now, figure out, how, figure out how to write now and be happy. Now don't wait for happiness later take off. And then also take time off from writing and kids for yourself, because you're a lot of like, I've, I've said this before on the podcast, like I, I was taking time off from being a mom to write, but it wasn't what I needed. I needed to take off time off from the business and my kids to just be, to just be myself, to just go out, you know, get ice cream with a friend and, and just relax and fill my own well, basically. So when you're raising little kids and you guys all know this, it is, it's, incredibly exhausting physically and emotionally and, and mentally, and you need to be able to fill your well before you push yourself into writing. And if writing is what fills your well right now, that's really great, but recognize it won't always be what fills your well. So you need to take time off from writing and kids for yourself. Um, make sure you fix your schedule. So you're sleeping enough. So if you have kids that wake up during the night, get yourself in bed for nine or 10 hours to, to make up for the difference in, in sleep that you're missing. And, um, again, be patient and give yourself and your family grace. And that's basically the advice I have. Um, and then also go listen to all of our other episodes, because then that's where you'll get the rest of my advice that, <laughs> that I didn't put in here. As for me, uh, I mean, I've given, look, I'm going to, you know, all that advice applies. And again, all the advice I can give you has been spread out across, across these episodes. So you can certainly go back. They're going to stay up in the various places. Uh, but so I'm going to give you a, a advice. I, I don't think I have given and then sort of follow up later, uh, follow your enthusiasm. Like there are a thousand things you can do and you should do to turn a writing hobby into a writing career. But if you have that spark of desire to write something to keep that spark alive, that should always be part of your plan is keeping the, the spark alive. Uh, it'll keep you fueled for the tougher parts of the road ahead because you're actually enjoying the, the actual writing part. Uh, it'll give a life and a liveliness to your writing that'll shine that much brighter because you're writing the thing that you want to write. Like Lindsay is talking about, Lindsay was fully aware, and I same for me and same for all of us. Uh, if you can't write to market to the level of quality that the market is at, then you shouldn't be writing to market. You should be writing, you know, do find the market that is closest to what you want to write and work toward that. Because just you can you can tell reading a book that someone enjoyed writing versus someone was turning the crank on. And, and uh, it's a part that is overlooked far too often. It's easy to listen to the things that have made people successful on this, on this show or on any other show where they talk about success and, and think, well, I'll just do that. But part of what, what that, the, those successful people did involved, you know, following the thing that they actually want to do and knowing they could produce something of a high enough quality in whatever thing they were doing. So again, uh, make sure that the thing you're writing is something that is, it's got your voice in it. It's got your enthusiasm in it. And if you find that you're not enjoying what you're writing, 
sort of put that on the same, you know, the same formula, the same, you know, the same scale uh, as you would with whether or not your advertising is successful or whether or not anything else. It's a thing to keep track of, right? Aside from that, uh, always be learning, always be growing, uh, experiment small so you can afford to survive a failure because most experiments are going to fail. That's just the nature of experiments. Uh, an experiment actually can't fail because the goal is to learn from it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, make sure you can afford to run these experiments. If at any point the best practices take you too far from what you're comfortable doing or sap your joy from the process and find another way because there's a lot of other practices. Uh, we talk about niches. Like if there are only 10,000 people in the world who want to read the kind of book that you want to write, that's enough for a career. You just have to find them, you know? So, you know, keep that stuff in mind. You should also be ready for the highs and the lows, put away enough money to survive a dry spell and have the apparatus in place to take advantage of a big hit. You want to make sure that uh, everything that every piece like your your back matter should be in place so that if a thousand people buy your book tomorrow and then two thousand the next day and then four thousand the next day you want to make sure those people will be able to find you again uh make sure you do that along the way make friends if you are able to uh we just had the the, the networking episode you don't need to but if you can it helps uh plan ahead and just keep writing uh, throughout the entire thing if things continue to go wrong and you don't get your footing, but you're still producing content, then once you figure out what works for you, all that content becomes a resource you can call upon and start funneling people to and really build your career up. So just keep writing. All right. I guess I'm last on this one. So I would just I've give a kind of list of actionable advice in no particular order all things we've talked about before on the show but kind of sum it up as we go <laughs> as we leave and as always feel free to ignore whatever doesn't work for you especially if what you're doing is working fine <laughs> or you're kind of in this for the love of it love of it and aren't that worried about commercial success so first thing on my list get feedback from other writers or editors who are really familiar with your genre and jaded <laughs> like they've been around the block a little bit don't publish until you've got those jaded seen it all before people saying hey you've got something good uh, this will get you further than anything uh, i'm a sample junkie and i i download tons of samples looking for something good to read and i promise you most of the stuff out there in the kindle store is not very good still in 2022 so there is room for you if you are a good writer and have good stories and it can really grab a reader from the first page and just never let them go but and I have to tell myself the same thing. Don't be arrogant and think that you're the bomb because like maybe you had some success, but um, embrace the idea of just trying to get better, going through the ringer, coming out a better writer before you publish, or if you've already published before you publish more. I've said it before. I think it's a really good idea if you can get some short story sales to magazines or anthologies before you self-publish, especially you know, not everything out of traditional publishing is great, but at least you kind of know there's a, a certain bar. And if you get accepted, then at least you're writing on that level. And, you know, you still have to, each story, you have to kind of figure it out and make sure you're writing a really good story. But everything is so much easier if the story underlying it all is good. And that's, that's how you get people to give word of mouth advertising to you. And that's free. <laughs> so best advertising you'll ever get is other people on Instagram or TikTok sharing, you know, your books. All right. Next, we've talked about this last before too. Focus on one genre and stick to it for a while. 
honestly, all three of us here genre hop. And, you know, I, I think we'd all admit that none of us have had the tremendous and lasting success of some of our contemporaries who really focused. I can make up for that somewhat with brute force by just publishing more than those people do, but that's a lot of work uh, and it makes everything harder. If you stick with one genre, learn it well and find the readers who are already predisposed to love that genre, you'll have a much easier road. Next, always remember that readers want more of the same, but different. <laughs> I'm a fan of writing what you love and worrying about the marketing later, especially for your first series. But do realize that the more cross-genre this hasn't been seen before you get, the harder time you're going to have finding an audience for it. You may find, as I did, that um, after you publish your first series, oh, these things with elves and dragons, you know, I like those things and they seem to sell more easily than this made up completely world that's not really based on anything else. Um, also, if you want commercial success, I would say avoid doing the avant-garde stuff or much of it. If at any point in your writing process, you find yourself thinking, oh, I bet this could win an award, you're probably going down the wrong path for commercial success. Some books become commercially popular after they win big awards, but usually the kinds of books that win awards are the kinds of books that people reading for casual pleasure reading would not pick up. <laughs> so if you don't win the big award, you're not you're going to be out of luck as far as making money goes. Also, it's a really small number of awards that are, you know, prestigious in any genre and well known enough to actually lead to an increase in sales. It's a pretty small number. As we've talked about many times before, if you can, write in a series. It's uh, for one thing, it's easier to justify spending money on marketing book one when you can potentially make $25 from the reader if they go through the whole series versus just $3 on the $4.99 ebook that was a standalone. And with longer series, also people get to know and love the characters and they, after spending so much time with them, your characters kind of imprint on their brains so that the readers remember them years later. And readers who remember your books are obviously going to be more likely to recommend them to others than if they don't remember your books. I mean, duh, right? So if you think about the series you love as a reader, there probably have eight, ten more books in the series. I'm not saying every series you write needs to be that long, but I don't know. As a reader, those are the ones I'm like, oh, yeah. And I, you refer to them by the name of the characters rather than the series name half the time because the characters are what draw you in and make you want to learn more about them. All right, last one, be flexible. I, I see a lot of people that are like, oh, you got to be wide. You got to be in all the bookstores. That's the only way to be. And then there's the people like, oh, you got to be exclusive to Amazon, has all the advantages, and Amazon counts for 90% of the ebook sales. And rigidity is not always your friend. So it, unless you're, you know, if it's an ethical thing and you're just anti-Amazon, fine, <laughs> you know, then that you can have to work with that. But, you know, you might find that doing a mix of both uh, can be helpful in building your career. And it's just not that, not just that, you know, anything when it comes to marketing and selling books, like after 11.5 years, <laughs> Andrea, I'm going to keep saying that, which is true. We've seen a lot of things and we've seen things come and go. Like there's some marketing basics that always work and they continue to work, but there's things that become popular, like patio books were a thing for a while. You know, right now, TikTok seems to be a thing where some authors are really finding a lot of success. And there's just things that every couple of years they'll get popular, then they'll disappear. But the, if you kind of find them and jump onto them and you're willing to like put your time in something new, 
maybe you waste your time, but on the other hand, maybe there's not a lot of competition in that particular thing yet. And it's a way for you to get seen and, and something like that can be kind of a career starter. Like if you just suddenly gain momentum on a new platform or, you know, putting your audiobooks out for free on YouTube is something that helped me start selling a lot more audiobooks a year or two ago. If you can jump on those things and not be too stuck in your ways, you may get an opportunity. Like every year or two, something new comes along and there are lots of opportunities. And the difference between the person that never has success sometimes is just that they were unwilling to, oh, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to do that. And after a while, it is maybe harder to do that. Like when you're first few years, you're a little more gung-ho and like, yeah, I'm going to make this work. But I think the people who are willing to jump on to try new things will be rewarded sooner or later if they have a good story going back to number one. Uh, but just remember, like we already talked about, you don't need to be a bestseller necessarily to do well. You just have to get X number of people who will buy everything you publish. I don't want to say just, but like we were talking about, it can be 10,000 people or even a thousand true fans. You don't necessarily need, a, you don't need to sell a million books, especially if you're an indie author and you're making 70% of the price of the ebook. You know, selling 10,000 copies can be some pretty good money. Publish a couple books a year and you're good to go. So, but once you do kind of get that reliable fan base, the people who will buy everything you put out, it becomes a lot easier to keep your income stable and have a legitimate author career. That is the end of my list. <laughs> Where can people find you guys after the podcast? I want to address some of your things you said. Oh, first. yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> they're all wrong, Lindsay. Message. They're wrong. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, so um, I just wanted to talk a little bit more. I, I mentioned a little bit, we talked about a little bit earlier, and Lindsay just gave the point again here. But um, what she says, if you want commercial success, avoid doing the avant-garde stuff. And um, I heard that advice before. I heard it all the time. I've been doing this whole romance, this whole, this whole, whatever, this author thing for a long time. I always thought I was the exception. I was like, yeah, everybody wants, I mean, those trolls, those, I mean, I, I but I don't really love that. So I don't really want to write that, you know, the elves and trolls and dwarves. And I wanted to come up with my own creatures because that I was like, I want to be original. And, and yeah, like Lindsay said earlier, I think I did buy into the whole, yeah, this is what everybody wants to. I mean, this is what, you know, the traditional publisher, like we're, we're tired of that. We want something different, but I also was tired of that, even though I didn't read it because I wasn't, I wasn't a true fantasy fan. I liked the, the weird stuff off to the side. Um, anyway, um, I always thought I was the exception and the fact that I made good money seemed to prove my point, but I could have made a lot more money. So be honest with yourself. And I'm talking to you. Like if, if this hits you in the stomach, when I say I'm talking to you, if you're writing something different and you think you are the exception, stop, take a step back and really look at things with a critical mind. Just recognize that you probably aren't the exception. And I'm really sorry to say that because I was there. I was like, I'm the exception. People are going to love my books. And people did love my books. And I did hit the USA Today Times twice. And, but like, it wasn't, like I said, like those, they could have done so much better. Like I, I was, I became a really good author and I know I did, but, and I had some very devoted fans, but I know that if I had, I don't know, like, I, I, I can't say that I would change the past because I really, I'm glad I did what I did and I'm glad I'm writing romance now, but I, I, I did, I thought I was the exception. I thought that if just because I liked the way I was doing things, I thought that people, other people would too. And, and like Joe said, you're going to find your niche. You're going to find people who love what you write, but like, it's just, it's kind of hard for me 
I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like my fantasy books don't sell nearly as well as they could have if I'd written stuff that more people liked. And it's a, an up, uphill battle. Like my books are so off, so off market that it's just, is it worth it? You know, I don't know if it is. It's discouraging to look back and say, I put so much time into my books and I was a six figure author for several years, but over 85 titles and only five of those are romance and five of those are, are, um, for authors and they're not making these six figures anymore. So I'm, I'm like, what was the point? You know, I kind of feel that way. Like, and then I'm not discouraged about, it. I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but I just want you to, to look at the way I've handled my career and wonder if maybe you are not the exception. And if maybe things would be going better for you, if you wrote things that were more true to market and it takes, it can take a while to step back. One of my author friends who, um, yeah, it's a mutual author friend. The other two know who this is, uh, stopped writing, uh, the, 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 the genre she was writing, she was writing romance and, and she was really fed up with being an author. And she's like, I'm done. And, and when we were talking a couple months ago, she told me, she's like, well, I never really wrote romance, like her, her romance, she put her heart and soul into it, but it wasn't the romance that readers were expecting, were expecting. And so it takes, it's kind of, you take some brutality and some introspection and honesty. And it's not like you're lying to yourself, you know, it's just, and it takes time too. I'm sorry. It does. It takes time. Like I've had, how long, how many years has it been since I wrote fantasy? It's been two years now. And it's taken me this long to recognize that I was pushing it, I was pushing the boulder uphill and it could have been so much better if I'd been letting it fall naturally by writing something I loved, but that readers also naturally gravitated towards. And I feel like my romance is more that way uh, because it's, it's more to it's the genre I read the most of. And I love, I love romance. I absolutely love reading it. And so I'm like, if I love reading it, I think it's going to go a lot better for me than fantasy did because I very rarely read fantasy. I read, I read Harry Potter guys, and I read some Bella Forrest books and I read some of Joe and Lindsay's books and I enjoyed them, but I wasn't passionate enough. Sorry guys. I love you guys both, but I wasn't passionate enough about the genre to keep reading. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Sorry. Um, but so this is all, this is all a sign to me that I probably should have switched to romance a long time ago because it's what I go back to every time. So anyway, so just yeah, be brutally honest with yourself and recognize that you probably are not an exception. Um, and and then again, Shadow Prophet won awards. So Lindsay's point, if you're if you're like, this book's gonna win awards, I was writing, I was like, this book is gonna win awards, and it did. And guess how well it did financially. <laughs> anyway, that was all I had. To, that was my only comments. Yeah. Every time I pick up something that somebody wrote and it's in like second person present tense or something, I'm like, I bet they thought they were gonna win awards. <laughs> Why else would you pick this? <laughs> uh yeah well okay I have to say I have had the same feelings about romance like I, I love it when there's romance in an adventure like a fantasy or sci-fi adventure but I've struggled to just write like straight up romance and do it right like I like them but they're not and they're for my readers that also prefer almost all of my readers when I they post a comment on Facebook are like yeah but I skip the naughty bits or you know I'm just really there for the adventure just like in your other stories you know I feel like the people that find me and like those are like me they're not really romance readers or people that like some romance in there while things are blowing up and exploding and there's magic and spaceships <laughs> so it, and it's like a journey for everyone trying to kind of figure out what you can write that you love to write and that other people also love to read. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out that Venn diagram. So if you're still trying to figure it out, like it's, it's probably okay. It's just part of the journey. You know, some people get there sooner than others. 
uh, and we can be jealous of them or cheer for them or both. Like I, f- I find that I can do both. I'm like, yeah, high five, good job, man. I wish I also had that success too. <laughs> but I don't know. Better people are just uh, happy and not jealous, but I don't, I don't know those people. I don't know. Joe, do you have any more thoughts before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Joe feels the same way about romance. I agree. I agree. See, I agree across the board. All right. Well, after the podcast, and um, I guess I would say, if you don't mind, guys, you can stay subscribed. We might, you never know. We've had some requests like, hey, maybe you could pop in once a quarter and do an update or something. And I, I think none of us are leaving, like, hating the podcast. I think we're just all kind of needing a break from the weekly commitment. So, eh, you know, send a note on Facebook. Maybe we'll pop in this summer or something and let you know how things are going. Joe will let you know when he becomes a uh, six-figure programmer, engineer at Google, or suddenly he's over in Silicon Valley, and you're like, what happened to Joe? <laughs> um, but where can people find you guys after the podcast? So um, it was kind of funny today. I got an email from somebody who bought a course and, and he's going to be like, his ears are going to be burning, but um, it was funny because I was, I happened to be getting on email right when he emailed me about the course. And I was like, Hey, I emailed like half an hour after he emailed me that that never happens. Um, I just, I don't, I'm, I burned out. Like when I did my great 2019 burnout, I just got tired of being online. I got tired of being on social media and tired of doing email. And I'm, I'm not going to go back. Like it's, I've, I've enjoyed the freedom that I have gained by not being online a lot. And so you can send me an email and AP at andreapearsonbooks.com. Uh, I'm not going to respond, you know, cause I don't see my emails every single day. And sometimes I get the emails and I have to think about it before I respond for a day or two. Um, and so I, I answer emails. I check email every few days. I get on Facebook every few days. I'm, I'm never anywhere else. Um, the only reason I've ever used Twitter for the last two and a half years is because Joe and Lindsay use Twitter. <laughs> so um, anyway, so if you have a question or if you're interested in pursuing a teen epic fantasy free freebie box set with me, which I'm still interested in looking into or a sweet contemporary romance, um, clean, sweet contemporary romance novella box set, like send me an email, ap at andreapearsonbooks.com. And if I get enough interest, I'll put one of those together. That th- That's an easy enough project for me where it would just be a perma-free box set that would, we would put a little trickle of money to through Facebook ads and then just have it building our backlist and, you know, funneling readers into our backlist. And anyway, so um, yeah, if I get enough interest, I'll look into putting one of those together or both of them, whatever. Um, Also my courses and and sweet contemporary romance, it would be awesome if it was novellas so that we could try for book promotions every now and then. Uh, I don't have enough novellas in, in teen epic fantasy to make that work, but actually I do. Okay. So <laughs> you can either one, just, just email me. Um, my courses are still on a 50% off discount selfpublishedrawingcourses.com and enter ending as the coupon code. And that's pretty much it. Like I've, I've mentioned before, I'm not going to be doing one-on-one coaching anymore. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to do a bunch of yard work. That's what I'm going to do this week. So <laughs> anyway, that's pretty much it. So yeah. I was pulling weeds this afternoon. I got my epic fantasy finally uh, off to my beta readers and it was like 2.30. I was like, oh, it's 77. I'm going outside and just going to chill for a little bit. All right. For myself, you can find me at lindsaybroker.com. Um, you can send an email through the contact form. <laughs> I'm horrible about email. Usually if you try once and you don't hear back from me, feel free to try again in a couple of weeks. Sometimes it just happens to be that I'm sending out a newsletter and then 
I get replies <laughs> to the newsletter and stuff just gets buried and I don't get to it. Um, I'm on Facebook, but I'm actually only on the author page, so I don't check my personal messages there or log on to that. <laughs> Twitter, I'm about ready to let Twitter go. I basically have a couple of ongoing DMs with chat. I don't even know what's a better chat platform anymore, guys. Like I used to use ICQ back before Twitter. Uh, I keep recommending my friends. I'm like, guys, guys, let's uh, go somewhere else. And they're like, just make a fake account or, you know, like another account and don't log on to the author thing. But that was a rambling way to say. Um, also, you can check my YouTube channel. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I'm a, uh, for like the last year, I've wanted to do a little more there. Like I've got my, some audiobooks on there and I was doing like Q and A's for the readers, but I've, I'm going to do from time to time, like an author chat, kind of this stuff that's on the show, you know, just inviting other authors that I want to talk to to come on and talk about publishing in the industry for an hour or so. It will definitely not be weekly <laughs> or regular because that's kind of what's been hard, hard for me. It's also been hard for Willow, my dog. So I'm going to let Joe talk now. <laughs> while I mute myself. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I, so my, my website is bookofdeacon.com. Um, I'll probably, there's a redesign in the, uh, in the works, but I'll, and I'll probably be redes- uh, uh, updating it marginally more often as part of my previously mentioned plans for the future. Um, uh, I'm most active on Twitter right now. Oh, by the way, uh, there's a contact form. No, not a contact form. There's a list of all the other places you can find me on there. So I'm going to mention some here, but if you go on the website, you can find places. You can find my email address and all the other ways that you can conceivably contact me. I am the most active on Twitter, uh, at least as we record this. So you can find me there with the handle uh, J-R-L-A-L-L-O. J-R-L-A-L-L-O. Technically, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you... You know, I'm trying to transition it over. I'm also going to be putting some audio on there, uh, but uh, I, I there's also lots of other stuff on there. You can find me. Just search Joseph Lalo. I'm not the uh, Australian saxophone player. I'm the other guy. Uh, also, I'm not the people who are, who are pirating my audiobooks. That's somebody else. But uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, Discord. By the way, talk about uh, what's what's a, another chat platform. Currently, Discord is quite popular. Uh, and you can get to a Discord that I'm a part of by going to my Patreon as well. So if you want to head over, join my YouTube, go to my Patreon, follow me on Twitter, anything like that. If you want to keep hearing from me, that's how to do it. I believe I subscribe to your Patreon. So I could pop and in. I subscribe to yours. I don't have a Discord. Maybe I should. Maybe we should hire someone to like run one. I don't know. The future is grand or something. All right. On that note, I think we've been rambling for an hour or so, so we will let you guys go. Thank you for listening, everyone, for the last two, three years. And uh, you can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And uh, we will leave the Facebook group, Six Figure Authors, going. We'll try to pop in now and then, especially if we randomly decide to do a new episode in four months or something like that. All right, everyone. Have an awesome spring or rest of the year or something. Yeah, everybody. See y'all later. Uh, and thank you for listening. We've really appreciated it. Yep. And uh, one last time. So long, everybody. <laughs>